right, good morning. How's everybody? Uh, you know what? That ain't good enough. You got to do better than that. How's everybody doing? Put your hands together. Yeah, I got to get the blood flowing early here. You know, um, I love when people articulate dreams, goals, and visions because you know they're coming from their heart, from passion, and oftentimes they're, they're really emerging right from God. Uh, this week we've had uh, a couple of our grandkids with us, and our granddaughter Riley is six. And so she was going to hang with me, and I said, let's go down to Bodie Leaf Coffee Shop. She said, what's Bodie Leaf? And I told her, it's our coffee shop. And she said, I normally go, and she named that other place, you know, that has the green and white and all that kind of stuff that we don't mention here. And so anyway, I said, what do you normally get? And she said, she described a strawberry blended drink. So I walked up, and I said, as we're walking up, and I said, now what's in that drink? Because we're going to try to order it because it has a different name. And she said, it's got strawberry and happiness. Right? So I walk up to the counter, and I say to the guys working there, I said, and she's a little shy. She kind of stands behind me. She said, she wants a blended strawberry drink that's kind of sweet, and it's got strawberries and happiness. And he goes, I know exactly what she means. She got a big grin. He got a big grin. We're sitting down. She's drinking. I said, how is it? She said, it's just filled with happiness. Her dream was simple. It was a drink that was blended cold with strawberries and happiness. And God has a dream for you. God has something for you. You know, you begin to think about dreams and goals. I want you to imagine that, that I gave you a camera, and that camera could take a picture one to three years into your future. You snapped it, and it would come out with such clarity that when you looked at it, you would say, that's what I'm going to do, see, or experience three years or one year, whatever time frame you want to put on it, from today. And you would have such clarity that you could write today, looking back three years, and say, this is the historical account of what happened, because you're so walking in faith, reaching into the future, pulling it into the present, that it becomes your reality. Then all you have to do is walk in that new reality that God has given you. So I want you to think about this. I want you to think about dreams, goals, and vision all meaning the same thing. You articulate them differently, but they're the same thing. And think about a time frame. So if we could, if we could chart this out, and we would put some demarcations along here so that we can kind of know if we're on track or if we're off track, what it, what it looked like. And by the way, what I'm sharing with you today is applicable in every, every single industry, every single life in this room, because everybody has dreams and hopes given by God. And everybody has frustrations because sometimes they never launch. You don't know how to get them there. You, you've got them, and you don't know how to get them there. And maybe you've pleaded with God and you've prayed to God, but you haven't seen the reality of it. I want you to know that God will allow you to plead and to pray and to cry and never give it to you because you have to also put some other things involved in it. And that means what you do every day in your daily activities how you're operating, the faith that you're walking in, the dedication you have to that, it's all going to come together in a great way. So let me just start this way. The word increase. We're talking about a year of increase, a series called increase. And I began to do a little study, realized the word increase comes from two Latin words. One meaning bottle, the other meaning water. Thank you very much. 
No, it actually is two Latin words, one meaning uh, intro, and the other one is grow. So an increase is an introduction to grow. Can I tell you this? You will not increase without this growth component in your life. In other words, you have to expand who you are, the way you see life, if you're going to reach that goal, dream, or vision that God has put on you. Now, let me start this way. What God does is he sets the stage for your growth. So if you're diagramming here, and I'd encourage you to either write this down or take a picture of it at the end, I want you just to imagine there's a stage here, and God sets the stage for your future. That's going to be your launching pad. And God will do that for you, but he won't do everything for you because you, we're in cooperation with God in what he wants to accomplish. That's why he gave you his spirit. That's why he made you in his image. That's why he gave you wisdom and a mind and all those things so that they come together in a marvelous way to accomplish some great things for you, for the kingdom of God, and for other people that you're around. So God sets the stage for your growth or for your increase. But then I want you to think about it because when you do that, what we assume is that our life is going to look like this. Our goals are going to be like that. The moment I set the goal, the moment I pray, the moment I get right with Jesus, then everything is going to be easy, 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 straight up, right? And then what happens? Reality sets in. You know what we're talking about? The reality is, wow, this is harder than I thought. I don't know really what I'm doing. Is there anyone can help me? But here's what I've found that happens. Most times, our things begin to look like this. They don't take a straight line. They take dips and turns, and I want you to know the first thing you're going to experience is a test. But watch this. You will have a testimony of increase, but it will require of you a test. God is not interested in you reaching this as much as he is in shaping your character in the process in conforming you and getting you to understand the heart and the mind of God, this is only one of the things that God does with that. And as you begin to experience this, you begin to give a testimony. You say, this is what God is doing in my life. That's your testimony. And you're telling that to other people because you're saying, this is what God did. And people are going, wow, I want God to do that in my life too. How do I tap into that? As you move through that, what you're going to find is another thing that I like to think of as a setback. It looks like a plateau, but this setback in your life, setbacks occur, and God uses those setbacks to set up your future. So you're going along life, and you're going, wow, how did you know it was going to be this hard? I didn't know I was going to be stalemated. I didn't know I was going to be on a plateau or I was going to experience a setback. Yes, it's part of the journey of life. If you've not experienced that, you may not be human. Right? Seven billion of us or eight billion. I don't know who's counting that number. But anyway, however many there are, we all go through these things. The problem is not that we go through them. The problem is we don't know how to come out of them. We don't know how to keep our eye on the vision and the goal of the upward calling in Christ Jesus. That's where the challenges come. So God uses these setbacks, and he's doing it for a reason. He wants to set you up for something. And if you can, if you can go in with the right attitude and look at it and go, wait a minute, setbacks plateaus, uh, tests, all those things are part of life. Now I go, this is just life. Now what do I do? You know, I've noticed something. I, I put this word down, faith, and I tried to make an equation. I thought, what's the best word that describes faith? And I realized it was attitude. Now that might be challenging to you. You say, well, wait a minute, Where you, where'd you come up with attitude? 
Have you ever noticed that people that walk in faith have a good attitude? Go, hey, what are you doing? Well, I'm believing God for this. And they're excited. Their countenance changed. Their face lights up. And they go, yeah, I feel good about this. People that aren't believing God, how are you doing? Well, I don't know where God is. I don't know what God's doing. They got the bad attitude. Right? What, you think God's going to jump into that game? He's not interested. I got a planet full of people like that. I'm looking for people whose heart are completely mine. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord move to and fro across the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is ready, completely his. I will strongly support you when your heart is completely mine. I want to do that, but you've got to have the attitude of faith. You've got to walk in that faith that I've given you. Now, let me take you to the Scripture, show you the foundation for this and where we're going. I want you to know that increase is given and it's not taken. In the world, there's two kinds of peoples. There's givers and there's takers. God is a giver. Have you noticed God's always giving, 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 giving? I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you a promise. I'm going to give you a future. I'm going to give, 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 give. Have you ever noticed that people in your life are either givers or takers? There's some people that are always doing this. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Give me more of your time. Give me more of your emotions. Give me. Oh, I'm tired. i got nothing left. Right? When, when you start becoming a giver, right, you just go, look, I'm giving. I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving. And I'm going to just pour out here. You know what God's always doing? He's filling every time you're giving. He's filling every time you're giving. Joel chapter 2, verse 23 and 24. Be glad then. You ever notice you don't have to read very far to get a word from, from the word? Be glad then. If you're not glad now, be glad. God's almost giving us a command here. Be glad then. You children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given, there it is, he has given you what? He's given you the former rain. The abundance that came in the past, I'm give, I gave it to you. The, the reason that you can have confidence in the present and the future is because of the God of the past. The God is consistent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the God who blessed you, the God who took care of you, that's the God who's going to propel you into your future. He has given you the former rain faithfully. He will cause the rain to come down for you. Notice this. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. So he said, what I did back then, I'm going to do again. And what I'm going to do in the back end is going to be greater than I did in the front end. Do you ever notice that whenever God works, he always does more in the end than he does in the beginning? It's a principle in Scripture. Check it out. How about Job? Everybody says, I feel like Job. Hey, I'm just reading Job, trying to get through life. Hey, you know what? Job is not my discipler. Jesus is. I don't take my clues from Job. I take my clues from Jesus, amen? But guess what? Job goes, you know, Job's blessed in chapter 1 and 2. Everybody reads about it. There was no greater man in the east than Job and all of that. And he's got cattle and he's got children. He's got all this stuff. And then he goes through all these difficult times. You go, poor Job. He was perfect in all his ways. No, he was the best man in the east. You know where the east was? Sodom. He wasn't the best man. He was the best man in the east, the Scripture says. The best man was Abraham living at the same time. He was in the west. That's why God's had to take Job through because Job didn't have it all together. Job comes down in chapter 42 and he says, oh, God, you know, I thought I knew of you with the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. I repent in sackcloth and ashes. Job didn't really know God the way he needed to know God. And then what does it say? Then it says that 
He restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. When he got over his bad attitude, God restored him. Hello. Boy, everybody got quiet on that one. When he prayed for his friends, and guess what? He doubled or tripled or quadrupled everything of Job. He always did more in the past. Jesus takes water. He turns it into wine. What do they do? They say, hey, everybody serves the best wine at, at first. That way everybody gets drunk. Nobody knows bad wine's coming at the back end. What are you doing? You're serving the best wine at the back because God always does more at the back end than he does in the front end. Jesus came as a humble servant. He's coming back as a conquering hero on a white horse, not on a donkey. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Give him glory. He always does more on the back end. He gave us a garden in the book of Genesis. He's going to give us a perfect garden without the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the book of Revelation. It says that we will not need the sun, the moon, or the stars that were really important in chapter 1, verse 14 of the book of Genesis because he says the Lord God will be your light and you will reign as kings forever and ever. Hello? Amen. That's the back end. God wants to do more in your last years than he ever did in your front years. That's the promise of latter rain. You have to embrace it. You have to understand it. You have to accept it. Look what he says here. The threshing floor will be what? Full. Say it with me. What? Full. God wants to bring fullness to you and uh, full of wheat and the vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. Hey, what are we going to do? The vessels are overflowing. We can't even contain it. It's on the floor. It's everywhere we go. It's, people are slipping in the aisles because there's so much fresh oil. That's what he says. In other words, it's the promise of Malachi 3 that I'm going to give you more than you need. You're not going to know what to do with all the abundance once you understand the economy of God. Literally what he's saying here. I like this message. I don't like all my messages. I just, I like some of them. Amen? See, the future is aligned in your favor. The future is aligned in your favor. We were first married. My granddad was a farmer in North Missouri. He farmed the same land from the time he was 13 till he was 88. He was also the worst driver in America. He always had a big Plymouth or a big Chrysler, and he had this red Plymouth we called Big Red. And Big Red had this obnoxious red paint on it and a, and a vinyl roof. You ever seen a vinyl roof? You've got to Google it to fight, figure out what that is. It had this vinyl roof on it. And, uh, and it was big enough, the whole trunk was big enough, the entire uh, east side of New York, the mafia would, could store all their victims in the trunk. It was that kind of a car, you know what I mean? And so anyway, this car, he would wreck it so many times, but he would always get it fixed. But it, it didn't run straight. It, there's something wrong with it. You'd go down the street and you feel like you were fighting it all the time. You ever seen those cars that they just, they look like they're not running like. They're running like sideways because they have frame damage. That's really what the problem is. So we took, we didn't know what was going on with it. We just knew it didn't work right. We take it into the Chrysler dealership and, and uh, I go to pick it up and to see how they're doing. And, and the guy says, yeah, let me check. And he hollers back to Lou or whoever the guy was in the back, right? Hey, Lou, what's the deal with that Plymouth? He yells back, it's got brain damage. He goes, brain damage. The guy goes, I said brain damage. Well, he meant frame damage. So what this car was doing, it was literally not going straight. It was going like this. Now, it was getting there, but it was working really hard to get there. See, the problem is some of you have frame damage. You're accelerating to get faster down the road, but the car's working harder and not getting there as smooth as it could get there. 
And until you align yourself back with God completely, you can't experience the drive that God wants you to have in this life or in the life to come because it's all tied together, you see. You see, God wants you to understand that your future is bigger than your past. Your future is bigger than your past. You say, well, I had a pretty good past. Well, then why can't God do more? If he does more in the back end than he does in the front end, why can't he? You say, well, because I got lucky, I got successful. Okay, well, maybe now you get lordy instead of uh, lucky. Amen? Maybe now you tap into what God has for you. And so when we begin to think about it, the increase, the increase that comes, it's always measured by the Lord. Do you know the Lord knows how much to give you when? He knows when to send a test. He knows when to send a setback. Because if you get going here too quickly, guess what you're going to end up with? You might hit your goal and your dream, but you've got the wrong attitude and the wrong perspective on life. And you know what? Then you become more of a problem for the kingdom than you were a benefit to the kingdom. Hmm. Dang. I know you're agreeing with me, but you just don't like it. You just want a different story, right? Tell me the story. It's all going to work out fine. Everything's going to be good. Well, it will, but it's going to take a test and a couple of setbacks to get you there. That's all. All right, let's take you to the Scripture. The future will multiply. The future will multiply the past. If you take the past, God wants to put an X by it, a 2X by it, or whatever number he wants to, and he's going to say, I'm going to multiply what you've done because you've already laid a foundation. And the foundation is going to be the, the catalyst for what I'm going to do in your life in the days ahead. You've got to embrace it, though. You can't say, yeah, that works for somebody else but not me. If you have that mindset, even if you set it in your mind right now, I promise you, you have just written out a self-fulfilling prophecy for yourself. You ain't going past that. Joel chapter 2, verse 25, so I will restore to you the years. God says, I want to do some restoration in your life. I want to bring back. You've had some losses. You got stuck. Maybe your picture doesn't look quite like even this good. Maybe your picture was more like this. And, you know, you just said, I got stuck here. I left without hope or whatever. God says, do you know what I can do? I can restore all the years that the locust have eaten. And then he says this, the swarming locust have eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust. And then he says, my great army among you. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you have ever seen locusts, but not in a picture or a movie, but you've actually seen locusts on the ground? Anybody seen locusts? It's like not a big thing. I mean, there's not a lot of locust watchers around. I don't know what the deal is. I, I, this morning there were more. More people from Oklahoma, I think, were in the first service. But anyway, I started doing a little research on locust. 1889, there was a, a, a swarm of locusts that covered a 5,000-square-kilometer area around the Red Sea. It was estimated there were 300 million insects per kilometer. Think about it, 300 million in a half-mile area. Yuck. Okay, well, then I did a little bit more research. 2010, now listen to this one. This one will really bless you. Locust plague affected more than 500,000 square kilometers. That's 200,000 square miles, by the way, in Australia in 2010. That's the size of Spain. Are you getting the picture? Hey, I learned all about this. I went on YouTube. You know how I love YouTube. I go on and I watch locust swarm, swarms. I mean, there were locusts that were just, they were so deep they were covering up the tire. That's how, they were three feet deep. 
And you know these crazy Aussies, they're out there. I know you're, you know, you're Kiwi, so you know you're, it, it's they're different, right? They're different people, but they're out there like, yeah, look at them. They're flying their heads. They're going, yeah, this happens a lot around here, you know. And just like, oh yeah, what man? You know, and so it was just like crazy. But think about it. God says that's my great army. Now let me show you what's happening here. Swarming locust. He uses four different terms for a reason. If you study it from the Hebrew perspective, here's what you discover. The swarming locust, the root of that word means the, to be overwhelmed or devoured with wings. In other words, everything is swarming around you. You're overwhelmed. You're feeling devoured. God says there's things in your life that are going to feel like a swarming or a crawling locust in your life. In this case, there's a swarming locust, and you feel devoured and overwhelmed. And then there's the crawling locust. The crawling locusts. And this is the things that kind of start moving into your life. And, it, and the Hebrew root for this is they consume you or they burn you up. So you've got this picture. You've got them flying around your head. And now you've got them kind of creeping in, crawling into your life. And it's like, is this ever going to stop? Have you ever made this statement, I can't take any more? I'll die if, I, if, if, if this continues. I've said that a thousand times. Clearly, I'm still alive. I think God laughs. I go, God, I can't take anymore. And he's going, yes, you can. Watch this. Watch this. You know what? Because I'm going to test you because I got something in eternity for you to do. And I can't send you to heaven as a wimp. Come on. I'm training warriors on planet Earth for, their, for an eternal weight in, uh, of glory in the eternal kingdom, and I need you prepared for what I've got in store for you. Consuming locusts, that means the, the young are not yet with wings, but it literally means to be eaten up. You ever been eaten up inside? Eaten up with envy, eaten up with jealousy, eaten up just, ah, oh, like gnawing crawling. I hate this feeling, right? Last one, chewing. Destructive. These are the finishers. They came in last. Anything that was left, they took care of. I got nothing left. God says, good, that's where I wanted you. Till you get to the end of you, I can't be in you the way I want to be in you. Paul said, I got a thorn in the flesh. I prayed three times, God, remove it. God said, no. My grace is sufficient for you, for when you are weak, then are you strong. I like you weak, Phil. I like you dependent, Phil. Because then you're, the explanation for who you are and what you do is me. That's really what God's after. I love this scripture in Philippians 3, verse 13. He says, forgetting those things which lie behind. Hey, sometimes your success of your past, your success or your failure of your past, all it does is it just eats away at you like a swarming locust. He says, why don't you just forget it? Every day is a new day for me. Why don't you let me start fresh, forgetting what li those things which lie behind and reaching forth, reaching forth. That's faith. Reaching forth through those, under those things which are before. He said, I press on for the mark. There's a mark out there, and guess what that mark has on it? The prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm pressing into the mark. I'm going there. Everything else is, is really an illusion, but that's where I want to go. That's where I want to be. 
You see, you're going to find that real joy, real joy is in his presence and not in the increase. It's in his presence. When I get in here, presence, what does the Bible say? There is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know who's at the right hand of the Father, the Son? I have a relationship with God, and your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are, are, are pleasures forevermore. It's a picture of the Godhead. That's Scripture. Joel chapter 2, verse 26, you shall eat plenty. You shall eat in plenty. How many of you like Mexican food? Anybody like Mexican food? I love Mexican food. My problem is by the time I get to the actual food, I'm so full of chips and salsa, I can't move. You know what I'm talking about? I get up the next day, there's not a ring in America that will fit my finger. I mean, I'm like the salty dog. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Look at me. I can't even move. Okay, now it's time. Yeah, what do you want? I, I guess a small taco. You really, all you want to talk? Yeah, you gave me 400 pounds of, I, I carved up for a marathon, and look at me. I'm, I can't make it 100 yards, let alone a marathon. He says, but you're going to eat, and you're going to have plenty, and you're going to be satisfied. When I get filled with God, I'm satisfied. When I get filled with everything else, I'm always hungry. My mom used to say, you know, you can't eat the junk food. Remember that before dinner? Don't be eating that junk food. It's better than you're cooking, Mom. My mom was a good cook once in a while. Everybody have a mom like that? She was a good cook once in a while. Just accident. She used to have something called housewife's life, as my dad called her. He said, just take everything in the, in the refrigerator, put it into one casserole, put some cheese on the top of it, cook it up. Here it is. I mean, you pray, you really pray that, you know, you, you just go poor and go have to go without food. I mean, it's just like, no, it's, it'll be a blessing. Honestly, Mom, now she did make a good coconut pie. I got to admit, coconut pie was great. But anyway, that's enough of that. All right, you will be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously, notice the character of God, with you and my people should never be put to shame. Here's what God says. I'm going to give you more than you need. You see, Understand, the promise of what you need is already promised. You don't even have to pray for it. Consider the birds of the air, right? God says, I take care of them. Don't I take more care of you? What about the lilies of the field? Not even Solomon was, was arrayed in all that glory. I take care of your needs. That's already done. I don't even have to pray for them. What you pray for is that you're positioned right for the plenty. This is good. I told you I like this sermon. I need affirmation. I'm an only child. All right? <laughs> he says here that there's great satisfaction. Look at what it says, a great sense of satisfaction. He says, and be satisfied. You know what God wants you to do? He wants you to look at your life and go, I did a good job. Not in a pride kind of a way. No, I, I took everything that God gave me and I, was, I faithfully stewarded it and I did a good job. I'm satisfied with what I did. And I've got plenty. I've got some extra. I've got some margin to operate in. He wants you to understand the ways of God. That speaks of the character of God. When I see how God works and I, and I see him take me through a test or take me through a setback, I don't question him because I know he's up to something good, not bad. It's just, it's just how he works. Understand the ways of God and, and, and then freedom from shame. 
You ever felt shame? Felt ashamed? See, that doesn't come from the Lord. That comes from you, the devil, or your neighbor. Doesn't come from God. Riley was saying to me when we were sitting down here and she was drinking her strawberries full of happiness. She said, I could never stand up and speak in front of people. I said, you will one day. You don't have to now. But see, you're only six. What God's doing is he's preparing you for one day when you will speak and you will feel fine about it. But you don't have to worry about it now. Don't worry about it. Don't put shame on you for a season that you're not yet ready for. I was reading in Paul Turnier's book, and he talked about life. He said, life is like a man on a trapeze. As I read it, I just kind of got into it. And the, the trapeze was a picture of man's security, his environment, everything that he trusted in. And he was on this trapeze. He was going back and forth on this trapeze, just back and forth, back and forth. And then in the middle of that, God swings in a second trapeze. And it's keeping exact motion with that one. As it comes, the other one meets it. As it comes, the other one meets it. And everything in that person, everything in you wants to hold on to that one trapeze because, after all, it's what you know. It's your comfort. It's your environment. It's your security. It's everything about it. And yet you're not making any forward progress. You're going back and forth, back and forth back and forth. You're never reaching your goals, your dreams, or your visions. And there's no freedom until you take the trapeze that God swings in your direction. And so here it is. You're standing there, and you're in this. It's going this way, this way, this way, and God's going, will you take the trapeze this way, back and forth, back and forth in life, and until you, by faith, reach out and grab that trapeze, you don't know what the future is. I want to encourage you to take the trapeze, to move forward in what God has for you, to reach your goals, your hopes, your dreams, everything that God has for you, and do it in the right way. Amen? Stand with me, would you? And we're going to pray. And as we pray, I, I want you to take just a, a quick glance into your heart. What is it that God has shown you today about your life and your future? It could be a single word or a sentence. It could be a phrase. It might be, a, might be one of those mental pictures that God just gave you a picture of something. That's probably the key to your vision, your hope, or your goal. Can you accept it with setbacks, tests, delays, and challenges? knowing that that great army that God sent, God called it his army. He said, I sent some locusts in your life for a reason. And you're trying to kill the locust off with pesticide. But supernatural locusts are there for a reason. They're going to eat up what doesn't help you and they're going to leave what will help you. They're going to leave the roots deep with God. This is what we're going to do. We're going to sing uh, a chorus or two of this song. But as we do, I really believe that 
there's something that God wants to do in your life on the increase. There's something, we, we do this periodically where we ask you to come and uh, come this forward here. We're going to, we're really just going to bless you. We're going to impart upon you just a, a spirit of increase. And we believe that even that's an act of faith. So as they start to sing, I'm just going to ask you to come quickly up here to the front. We're not going to delay long, but we want you just to come quickly. And, and we're going to just pray for you. We're going to worship the Lord. Let's begin.